Welcome to this week's episode of Across the Cemetery. My name's Emma. And I'm Josh. And um, we're going to be, um, Josh is going to be leading the episode this week. Um, but first, how was your week, Josh? Um, it was alright. We are feeling quite Christmassy at the moment. <laughs> it's the end of November as we're recording this, um, the 27th to be exact, and we've we're surrounded by tinsel and reindeers and lights. <laughs> and we wrapped every single Christmas present we bought today. We ran out of wrapping. No, sellotape too. Yeah, so. Yeah. Very Christmassy nice. for two gods. <laughs> two sweaty yeah. gods. <laughs> Actually, quite looking forward to Christmas. Yeah. How was your week? Um, the same, really. I I didn't really get up so much. I, um, I went to Home and Bargain on Saturday, which. Don't I know it? Excuse me, I paid this time. <laughs> this time. But, but yeah, um, it's just been very Christmassy, hasn't it? And we just started Wednesday on Netflix, which I'm like itching to watch again. <laughs> yeah, so we'll probably do a review of that soon. We've just finished episode one. Yeah. So We finished The Walking Dead as well. Yeah, we've finished. That's all completed now. That's We're looking done. forward to the end of Anna Celeb tonight. I cried when they um, did on that Celeb Recycling thing. Just so happy for them, even though my my Hancock was on it. I'm a celebrity, really, isn't paranormal or scary or horror or anything like that, unfortunately. I know, but I'm just, it's just my week. Um, anyway, so yeah, Josh is going to be leading this episode. He actually wrote this episode in August. Um, we've just been laughing because some of the stuff that he's been saying in it is what he's been. I'm very consistent. Yeah. <laughs> you, you'll find out at the end of the episode. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about. Kids with past lives. I absolutely love this. Like, if you if you don't like, I think I've said this before, but if whenever I'm just sat on my phone at the minute, I'm revising my theory all the time. But I just I go on Reddit or like search on Facebook forums and stuff about kids with past lives. I just love. I love. I love it. I just yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what stories Josh has got. Um, but I maybe might know them already but hopefully not <laughs> so one of my questions to start the intro was what do you know about kids with past lives i'm guessing quite a lot so i don't i don't know that much about it i just like reading the stories i don't know like if there's any scientific proof to it obviously there's probably not i don't know mm. where it began oh. i've written episodes about it so so i've never looked at the history i just like watching the story reading the stories and there's a store there's a program on amazon prime called my kid my kids haunt no my kids past life or something i used to watch that on reality or something oh, yeah. with, with my mum but yeah i love that I don't know about the history though, but I just love that your kid might wake up one day and just say, "Oh, do you remember during the war?" And what would you do? That was my other intro question. <laughs> what would you do if a kid came up to you and said something like that, like, um, "I've done this," or "I I know this," that they wouldn't, they shouldn't really know. Um, it depends what it is, because like, say if, say if it was something like, um, I was buried here. They're not going kids don't really know about burials yet, do they? So I think that was a bit weird. But then if like someone says like when I was in your tummy or my old mummy used to do that, I think that yeah. can just be like the kids are just chatting shit. <laughs> do you think that? You considering you read like to read about them so much, do you think that it's not true? I don't know if it's true, but I li- I like I would want it to be true. I would I think it's interesting. Like I think it's quite scary sometimes when 
like the kids like so I watched um I watched myself die and then my spirit like rose and then I was in your belly. I do think it it is like I do like it but I don't know if there's any truth behind it. Okay. But then I think that sometimes there is because like the kids will tell a story. I think there was one the kids like managed to point out like where he'd been in the war and like where his body was and that but he didn't know anything about like he wouldn't have known anything about the war because he was like three or four <laughs> yeah so i okay. think that's quite interesting well before we get into the stories that i've prepared today or i've researched today we i'll go over the theory of what kids with past lives is all about yeah so theoretically they start talking about it when they're around three years old just to, just old enough to talk on their own uh, and have like complex thoughts and, and conversations and yeah. start to get ideas across. But these the phenomenon usually fades away at about seven to ten years old. So that's yeah. when they, to put it simply, forget their past life if they yeah. had one. There's a gentleman called Jim Tucker of the University of Virginia who has researched the, the topic. And he came up with the following consistencies. So around 70% of the stories refer to unnatural or traumatic events. Yeah. 90% of those reincarnated are the same gender as they were in the past life. And the average time between death and rebirth, rebirth in quotation marks, is 16 months. Really? So, so like, even if people have been born in the war? The like average time. Uh, sorry. Doesn't necessarily have to be. Okay, so there was one I read. This woman had a miscarriage, and then the little boy that she had, like after her previous, uh, recent baby, was saying something like, "When I was in your belly the first time." Yeah. I think that like the story, the way it was written, gave me goosebumps. But I do believe that you can be reincarnated. I do think like you, you're not gonna just be on the. Sorry, am I going to? Yeah, you absolutely just diving right into about. Probably this. should have wrote so, this episode. Essentially. <laughs> Tucker believes that reincarnation could exist due to quantum physics. The theory goes that an event or events have occurred and they create particles that exist in consciousness. That means that those events exist even when those who were involved at the time may have passed away. So in turn, that means theoretically that reincarnation could be possible if those particles can be seen by a new person once the originator of the particles are no longer around. So, somebody is present at an event. Yeah. They pass away. They're no longer there. Yeah. But the particles carry on. Oh, I get it. Yeah, and yeah. And sort of move on with the next person. Or like this spirit kind of thing, but not. Yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. But this guy's calling them particles and making it really scientific. So, I think that that's probably true because you, you get people like who've never met a certain family member and they have certain characteristics of them. Like... My cousin's little girl, she's so cheeky, her youngest, um, and we always say, like, oh, she's Dennis, my dad, reincarnated, but, like, it's just, she's just, my nan said she's just like him as a baby, so I think maybe, like, part of your spirit can live on, but then I think, also, you might just be related to them and pick up, like, you pick up stuff about, like, family members, even if you don't know them, like, I remember going to a funeral once, and I, like, moved my hands, like, moved my hands when I was talking the same way that my mum's cousin did and I'd never met her, so right. I think, I think it, you can't just pick up on, like, family members stuff, like, did you yeah, just come but, down? but with that, that, that's a completely different thing to reincarnation, is it not? 
yeah, I think he can. I think he can be reincarnated, and I do think like a soul. The soul, like the souls are that complex, like they're not just gonna. They last beyond the body. Yeah, yes. So I don't think you're just gonna be a soul for one day. I mean, one lifetime. Yeah. I think you'll probably keep going. Yeah. But then, yeah, I think maybe with like family members as well, it might just be like your ancestors, kind of. So, following the theory, I've got uh, one, two, three, three stories in total mm. that I will. Relate, you know. Sorry, I was just having a sip of wine then. <laughs> so the first one is about a boy called Cameron Macaulay. So Cameron Macaulay was born in Glasgow, Scotland, if you don't know where Glasgow is, in the year 2000. From the age of around two, Cameron began to tell his mother, Norma, about his barren mother. He would continue to describe his barren mother's appearance, his siblings, going as far as being able to name one of them as Lindsay. The games they would play and even the black and white dog they had. Cameron would even highlight the details of the house they lived in on the island of Barra, which is about an hour-long flight from Glasgow Airport. Sorry, so Barra is saying when he says it's Barra mother, he means she's from there. Barra is a place. Oh, So Barra is off the coast of Scotland. Ah, right. It's it's just a a small island in relative to mainland Scotland. (laughs) Yeah. But it's still got like an airport. Oh, well, right. I say it's got an airport. It's the beach. Uh, the beach is the airport. Yeah, I can picture what you mean. Um, but yeah, so it's an hour-long flight from Glasgow Airport. Um, what's more is Cameron could even correctly depict how the planes entered the island's airport, which is pretty unique as it is believed to be the only operating airport in the world that uses a tidal beach as the runway. Oh, God, and I was a kid know that. Exactly. At two to three years old. Yeah. He wouldn't really know that. <laughs> During his past life, there would be instances where Cameron would be playing in the rock pools and on the beach, which sat just below the White House on the coast, perched on a hill, just a few metres from the sea, with its own secret gate from the house down to the beach. One of the most harrowing memories that Cameron would refer to is the untimely death of his father, who he named as Shane Robertson. It was said that Shane was killed following being hit by a car and that Cameron would often get upset and claim that he missed his Barra family. Upon research, there was no Robertson family found to be resident on the island of Barra, although it did transpire that a Robertson family from mainland Scotland did have a holiday home, which exactly matched the description of a White House on the coast. They spent the summer in there. It was confirmed that the house did in fact have a secret gate at the rear of the property that did lead down to the beach, and there was even photographic evidence of a black and white dog that lived at the house. The issue rises from the date of the evidence, which is from around the 1960s. So how could a child born in the year 2000 have such detailed memories of a life that supposedly happened 40 years previously? When asked, Cameron described that he fell out of bed through a hole to his current mother, Norma. So... This That's kid weird. seems to know quite a lot about the fact that he doesn't like her name and um, the dog. Yeah, so about starting the story, he's about two years old. He knew these facts. He knew there was a black and white dog. He knew his father was called Shane Robertson. Yeah. He knew he got killed by getting hit by a car. Yeah. He knew his barra mother. Yeah. He knew how the airport ran. He knew how there was a, the a gate, the gate yeah. down to the beach. There is actually a documentary that was done on Cameron. Um, I 
can't remember the original makers of it, but it is on YouTube, and it's um, it's called The Boy Who Lived Before. Um, I think it's about. I think there is an hour-long version, but I think there's like a, a short and down twenty yeah. thirty minute version, which is really interesting to watch. So definitely have a look at that if you want to know some more about it. I do think it. I do think with the dog, maybe that could have been like hit and miss because anyone could have had a black and white dog, but. The fact that he's got names and he knew about the gate and the airport. Hmm. That, and then the way he said, like, a black hole. That's like childbirth, isn't it? Kind of. So, it's like he's, his soul's gone from his past life and then went straight into a new Yeah. Life. So, it would be interesting to know how he passed away. Yeah. Because he, what he seems to be remembering is being a child. Yeah. So did rather he die than being young? an adult. Yeah. Or maybe he can only remember from what age he is relaying the story so if he is two he can only remember being two, two. but then again at two years old you don't really know yeah, you, you don't remember much I don't remember being two years old no I don't remember I think you can from like three maybe remember stuff oh, no, it's, it's very hazy yeah. at best at best but we can move on to the second story which is about a little boy called Christian Hopt H-A-U-P-T I believe <laughs> that's how you say it sorry if it isn't so born in 2009 to Michael Hopt and Kathy Baird, it was clear that Christian was completely obsessed with baseball from a very early age. He had no other interest in any sport and would insist on wearing a full baseball like, uniform yeah. and take all the equipment everywhere like he went. A little white outfit. Yeah. It should be noted that the passion for baseball is not something that ran in Christian's family. In fact, Michael, his father, was German-born and while the game was played in Europe, following the introduction from American soldiers in the earlier part of the 20th century, mm-hmm. the World Wars. It does not harness anywhere near the level of fandom that is afforded in the United States. Yeah. From around the age of two, Christian began to reveal what may be the true source of his passion for baseball. He would often tell his parents that he used to be a tall baseball player. His parents would, of course, entertain their child's aspirations and reassure him that certainly in the future... He would be a tall, tall <laughs> baseball player. But that's not what Christian meant. Christian would reply that he used to be tall, like his dad. He was adamant that he had already been the size of a full-grown man at the age of two. As time passed, Christian became more sophisticated in his ability to communicate. More details emerged that would concern his parents further. Christian would detail the conditions in which he used to play, explaining that in the old days, he would wear metal cleats to play in. There were no such things as batting helmets and there were certainly no lights on the field. What is of particular note is that the first baseball game to be played under lights was held in May 1935. Obviously, when a child says things at such a young age, they are usually taken with a pinch of salt. Kids have a vivid imagination and this can allow some strange statements to be conjured up. Regardless of this, a tentative parent will obviously indulge their child's interests, which is exactly what Kathy, Christian's mother, was doing when she decided to show him a picture she had found of the New York Yankees, which dated back to 1927. Within this picture was legendary baseball player Babe Ruth. Christian immediately showed a disdain towards Babe Ruth and often referred to him as Dumb Babe Ruth. When questioned about it further, Kathy asked Christian if he could then identify anybody in the team picture that didn't like Babe Ruth. Out of the numerous people available, Christian kept pointing to one man, telling his mother, that's me. 
The man that Christian was pointing to was Lou Gehrig, which is L-O-U for Lou, G-E-H-R-I-G. I imagine it's spelled Gehrig. A man who was born in 1903 and who died in 1941 of ALS disease. It was highlighted by Cathy that both Christian and Lou had the same distinctive dimples on their cheeks. To add further depth to this tale, when shown a picture of the wider Gehrig family, Christian highlighted that his own mother, Cathy, used to be his mother when he was Lou Gehrig. Oh. So apparently she's also she... had a past life that she obviously can't remember. Yeah. All of this consistent information given by Christian by the age of three obviously piqued the interests of Cathy, who decided to investigate even further. Cathy took part in three past life regression sessions, which is a form of hypnotherapy designed to tap into any past life memories. On each of the three occasions, it was said that Cathy recounted memories of being the mother of Lou Gehrig, Christina. Christine continues to play baseball to this day and has an active YouTube channel that will be linked. His mother has wrote a book on the topic which does highlight many of the uncanny resemblance of Christian Hopt and Lou Gehrig. But this is something that people can decide in their own opinion. So something that's very interesting about this one is apparently he is actually pretty good at baseball. At baseball. Yeah. So he's got his own um, I think his mum runs the, uh, the YouTube channel. Uh, but right. it's about him playing baseball essentially. There was also a film called That's My Boy, which was an Adam Sandler film. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. He's in it. Is he? Yeah, Christian Hopps is in it oh. as, a, as a cameo role. I believe it's about him. And his his mum wrote a book in 2017 called The Boy Who Knew Too Much. Alright. See, I, I think that's quite nice that his mum was his mum in a past life, maybe. And I think it's nice that he's got the same dimple. So yeah. that's kind of like... Um, sort of proof because I've, I've read somewhere that like birthmarks um where your birthmark is is how you like how you were injured or how you died in a past life so maybe uh, i'm not saying that's the same but similar um but i'm gonna take a leaf out of your book they're making money out of it yeah yeah they've got but two books we'll we'll get there at the end <laughs> I do think that story is quite like it's got proof of it, hasn't it? Like, if she's done that hypnotherapy, and yeah. she's like brought up stories of that, but then wouldn't that just maybe be in her subconscious because he's the little boy said that to her? Yeah, potentially. Well, we'll discuss this at the end because yeah. we have one more story, <laughs> which is regarding James Langer. I believe is how you say it. So, in April 1998, we saw the birth of James Langer to Bruce and Andrea Langer. It was apparent from an early age that James loved planes and all things aircraft, particularly his It's a Kind of Magic tape of the Navy's flight exhibition team, which he would watch on repeat. Following trips to museums and exhibitions at aircraft hangars, it was clear that James had a particular taste for older aircraft. Playing with toys, James began to repeat the phrase, airplane crash on fire. At the time, he was around two years old, and on the face of it, it may seem innocent enough, but he began to repeat this time and time again. It did, however, become a real concern to James' parents when he would wake up screaming, 
the same statement and throwing his body around in a sort of way that looks like he's trying to wriggle free. How old was he then too? This was a two years yeah. old. James would speak to his parents about the dreams and specifically refer to a Corsair plane that would take off from a boat. More to the point, James would name the boat as the Natoma. A simple search for the name Natoma highlights that it was in fact called the USS Natoma Bay, an escort carrier that was in service for the United States Navy during World War II. Obviously James takes a keen interest in vintage aircraft and may have picked up on the name when watching a show or hearing others talk about it in the museum or exhibitions that he went to. However, the vivid dreams continued. Along with the dreams, expanded the explanations. James would tell his parents that airplane crash on fire, little man can't get out. Bruce and Andrea would quiz James on who little man was, but they'd only ever get the response, me or James. Expanding on this, James also added that he wasn't alone in the plane. He was accompanied by a man called Jack Larson. After getting a book to gift to his father one Christmas at around two and a half years old, James was flicking through the book and admiring the varying pictures and illustrations when he happened upon an aerial photograph of, I'm going to butcher this name, Mount Suribachi, a dormant volcano in Iowa Jima. Apologise for every name that I've butchered there. You probably haven't said it wrong. To his parents' astoundment, James declared that this was the location that his and Jack Larson's plane was shot down. James's parents, Bruce and Andrea, were at this point understandably growing concerned for their son's well-being. Persistent nightmares, disturbing messages, and to top all that off, James had begun drawing a multitude of plane combat scenes that he would sign off with James III which, when questioned, he said was not his age, but that he was the third James. The help of Carol Bowman was sought, who had previously wrote a book on child past experiences and persuaded the Langers to explore James's statements and indulge his stories, which they did by agreeing with James that the experience had happened, but it was now in the past and won't happen again. Bruce and Andrea also contacted the media to try and fill in the gaps to the story. A strong starting point for this would be to determine whether Jack Larson, mentioned by James earlier as being present with him in the plane crash at Mount Suribachi, did actually exist, and whether he could shed any further light on James's story. Through naval records and written correspondence, James's father managed to track down Jack Larson, who was stationed on the USS Natoma Bay during World War II. What's more is that Jack was able to confirm that only one pilot from the USS Natoma Bay went missing during the Battle of Iwo Jima, a Mr. James M. Houston Jr. This correlates to the signature that James was putting on his drawing at two to three years old as James III. Yeah, I was just because say that. <laughs> to be James M. Houston Jr. means there was a James M. Houston. Yeah, and he's. I know. You know, James. James is back. James is back. <laughs> In their book, oh, <laughs> Bruce and Andrea explore the further details that they say James gave surrounding his life on the USS Natoma Bay and other general knowledge of World War II that wouldn't be expected of a toddler. But this is not recorded anywhere else. However, many of the other details that have been mentioned have been independently verified. So if true, that would mean that James Langer 
can in fact remember how he died in his previous life over 50 years before he was born. I do. I want to believe this story, and I think I think it, it is, but in the he's writing James Free, he's two, he was two, so he's going to be free, so he might be free when he's writing it. But he, he, the story is to go by, he is um, saying, that's not my age, yeah. that I am the third James. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But then, again, they've got a book. But um, it's good that that man, um, Jack, was it? He confirmed it. He confirmed that James was the only one to be missing. Oh, with Jack Larson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I do think I do think it's real because how would how would he know this at two? Yeah. How would he know about that mountain and the volcano? Was it a volcano? A dormant volcano. Yeah, yeah. So how would he know about that? It's not going to be on the telly, is it? Well, he, the, that he came across in a book. Yeah, but like he could explain. But him. at the same time, he couldn't read. I can't read the word. Yeah. <laughs> so how can a three-year-old read the word? Yeah, yeah. And then, do you know planes and that? They're like little boys like stuff like that. Of course, they do yeah. There was a lad in, in my primary school, and he was obsessed with boats, like Titanic as well. So maybe he was on Titanic. Potentially. But he was literally obsessed. He used to bring in figures of it and everything on like a show and tell. Popped into my head halfway through when you were saying about him being obsessed with. I wonder if you got the Titanic Lego ship, which has been really big. It comes in like five boxes or something. I think he did, but he was a little bit weird because he used to go around the <laughs> Maybe he just got the best deal out of all you, didn't he? <laughs> he I mean, he's him. the real winner, yeah. I think he ran it because he, he missed his mum. <laughs> so I've got three theories surrounding the stories I've just told and also the, the concept in general. Yeah. The first theory is regarding the stories I've just told. So, surprise, surprise, this is why mm-hmm. I'm consistent. These were set up by the parents to make money. What? So, I wouldn't have thought you'd say that, you know? Oh, well. <laughs> no, I, I like to come up with surprises every week. <laughs> in every story, in each, each of them, there's an element of media coverage or a book release. Yeah. There, there's something. So the first one, there's a documentary. Yeah. They wouldn't have done that for free, I don't no. imagine. Second one, there was a book. He's got a YouTube channel. He was in a film. Yeah. They cast him majorly. There was two books. There's two books. Yeah. Oh. And the last one, again, there was a book. Yeah. They, when they were trying to research it, this is a point I don't you know if you picked up on. They went to the media. Oh, yeah. So instead of just researching it yeah. and asking for naval records from the Navy or the government. Yeah. The neighbours are just banging next door, if you can hear that. Sorry. We hope it's the neighbours banging next door if you can hear that. Sorry. If not, it's the ghost. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's, there's definitely an element why of... Have, why have they got the media in at first? See, if I was researching something, I wouldn't go to the media until, like... You knew facts. Yeah, but then you don't, you'll never know facts of that. Yeah. You can't prove it. I wouldn't go to the media either about it. I mean, it would be nice to get a payout of a book, but... Yeah, it's... that it, To me, I, it, it's tough because there's so many people out there that would just take the money and run type yeah. of situation, which be... dilutes the amount of true stories yeah, that we're going to yeah, come across. I so say. I do want to see if, this, if there is a true story and... The parents are going to share it with everyone. Yeah, great. I want to see it. And if they make a few pounds, dollars, yen in the process, fantastic. 
but because there's so many people who are, yeah. who are wise to that fact yeah. and benefit from it, it, it like I say, it sort of just dilutes the, the validation of it. That's the thing though, we wouldn't get this story unless we went to Namibia. But that's the other thing, yeah, you're right, you're right. So, obviously we want them to go to Namibia because we like this type of story, but like you said, you don't know if they're genuine. Especially if they've gone to the media first, the media might have like, the media might have like, swayed them to a certain part that they would, the kid probably wouldn't have thought of or... So they, do you think they might have influenced the story yeah, that's slightly? The, yeah. Yeah. Potentially. I mean, I don't think it's the be all end all of it. I, I'm, I'm all for people being entrepreneurial and, and yeah. making a bit of money, but... I do think it that seems... it is real, mm. but I just think that amount of them... And then if it was real, yeah, obviously you'd get paid for things, but you wouldn't keep doing a book of it, you wouldn't make like a film of it, maybe just do an article about it and then that's it. Well, I don't think they made the film, I think they no, got like... That, f- that film was about him not growing up or something, though, wasn't it? Well, I'm not sure I haven't seen it in fairness. I'm sure it's about... I don't know. But I'm sure it's not about a past life. Hmm. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's not. But he makes a... He, the, he makes the a guy cameo. in the story, uh, the kid in the story, Christian, I believe that was. Yeah. He makes a cameo role in it. Not a It must. It might be like a baseball themed one. Oh yeah. It might it just be for his is. baseball because his YouTube channel is quite big. Yeah. And he's quite good at baseball, so actually, it might just be for his baseball. You just reminded me, Adam Sandler. I think Adam Sandler's kids get married. Not that it matters, but and then he loves baseball. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> moving on to theory number two, we have Tucker's conscientiousness theory. So we did touch on Jim Tucker at the start yeah. with his, his research into the particles. kids. Yeah. So he believes that you don't need a brain to exist for the particles of the memory to carry on, which right. which would then mean that it can move from place to place. Or and then be like it, dormant. Or like, yeah, or picked up on or... Yeah. That yeah. would explain why somebody can be born with memories that they couldn't have possibly made yet yeah, or that, from a time that they were not alive yeah in. like the energy's left over or something and yeah. it's gone into your body yeah so even though the human is no longer there the the energy the thought the memory yeah. the event is still present in the in the atmosphere i think that makes a bit more sense because like you get like people who pick up on certain aspects of like a room or um i don't know how to explain it like you know, if you go, if a psychic's in a certain place or they're talking to you about a certain person, mm. they can like mimic the accent or the the facial expressions of the person that they're talking about. Yeah. So I think maybe that makes a bit more sense, like rather than them coming out like being born again. Mm. If we're talking about it from a scientific point, but then I do think that you probably are you can be born again because I don't think your soul's just gonna. Die, be born once and then just die. People are recycled. Yeah, I feel like people are probably recycled. Stay green. <laughs> so the field is covered by some academics, which I think Tucker's like the leading guy on the matter. Yeah. But obviously, with most topics or almost every topic that's researched academically, yeah. it's then peer reviewed. It's people are arguing against it, yeah. people are arguing for it, you know, stuff like that. So it, for it to be academically, the word for it to be academically 
like Sound. talked about uh, to, for it to even be in the conversation. Yeah. For them to spend time writing about it. Yeah. Does that not carry some merit? So yeah. Does that not validate that this could be a real phenomenon? What would you say in the union? Like, what would you call speak? <laughs> I don't know, you have to be very careful now. You put yeah. I want to study... Kids' brains. Kids' brains. Kids' thoughts. But, like, not their thoughts. <laughs> the, the past thoughts. Yeah. No, I think if, if there's, like, like you said, if um, if more and more people are researching it, there must be some sort of proof mm. of it. Yeah. So that, that was theory number two. That's, I think... With it being academically reviewed, yeah. I think it has got some merit there to, mm-hmm. to the actual theory. So the last theory that I have, I've realised I've said theory about four times in the past mm-hmm. ten seconds, um, is down to the child's behaviour. So children aim to please their parents. Yeah. If they say something and then they're encouraged to expand on it positively, yeah. would this just encourage them to lie like even further gosh, yeah. just to appease the parents? Yeah. So, I think I think it's well accepted that generally, if it, what's it, it's like positive, really like positive, positive reinforcement, yeah, basically, where if they do something that is good, you, yeah, you tell them it's good yeah. or you reward them for or you're it. Interested even? Yeah, and they will carry on doing it to to yeah. get the rewards, to get the interest. As you think, kids are little liars sometimes, though. Like yeah, but every kid's not like little liars. not lying like in a bad way to just like. Like kids um, can say like, oh well, I'm a rock star. I do this. I yeah. I I I can go really fast. I can count to ten, hold my breath. I can and... go really fast. You've never seen me run. <laughs> well, <laughs> but um, do you know what I mean? Like they make up like little things like that. Or, like I can eat all this cake and I will not be sick. And just little <laughs> stupid things like that. So I think that maybe they. Maybe they've got like they've seen something and then it just triggered their brain to like make all these little fibs up. But at the same time, on the flip side, arguing against that theory is how can a child know such detail? Yeah, that's what I think. I'm just so, trying to especially argue. at such early ages. Yeah. So when I am looking at these these topics and these theories, I do generally have a bit of a, a personal perception of what I'm yeah. looking at. I, I have my own thoughts and feelings, prejudice. which I do I do put across and I do tell yeah. you. But I also in the theory section Try and give an answer. Yeah, it probably stems from uni days. But like, yeah, I'm, wasn't I'm it meant to be like you give two points and an argument in your conclusion or something? Well, it was... Um, I can't remember how they, how they described it. But basically, you had to put an argument forward, but you had to give the flaws and against. Yeah, yeah. You had to find, you had to identify the flaws in your own argument and yeah. argue against it. It's like a point for discussion as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, that's my argument against theory number three, is that I do agree that children will try and appease their parents, because yeah. they, they want do, to. Yeah. yeah. That's what they want to do. And, and they get rewards out of it yeah, as well. that's normal ch- child behaviour. But we still do in a way, like when we're adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We always try and like, appease our parents. Yeah, I don't think it goes away really. Yeah. But, again, how, does it, how do they know the detail? Where does it come from? Yeah. This... Does then hark back to Jim Tucker's theory that the it, it is possible? I think I do think it is because how would the kid know about that? How does the kid know 
going back to the first story, how does he know about the gate? How does he know about the airport? Especially when you said it's like one of the only one in the world or something. Yeah, it's it's on a tidal beach, so every night or every yeah. early every day, the, the water covers up the runway. Yeah. So how does how does he know that you? That's not on the telly much, is it? Or like in books? And well, that? that's it. Like I've been to Scotland many, many, yeah, many, yeah. many times. I'd never heard of that. I'd never heard Barra no. until I read that story. Yeah, no, so I have. I think maybe like the Babe Ruth one. Is it Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth, yeah, the baseball player. I think he might have just seen that on the telly. That's quite an easy name to yeah. remember, isn't it? It's like an easy one for a kid to say as well. Yeah. And the way he said, done, babe, babe Ruth. That's quite an easy thing to say. Yeah. But, but he, then, he then furthers yeah. it and then starts saying about the lights. Yeah. Where and he's got the dimples. He's got the same dimples, which I've seen a picture online. I'll find the link in, in the script I've written and I'll post it so you can go and find yeah. it, the comparison picture. And he looks I, mean, I mean, in fairness, they are just dimples. So the old dimples are quite similar. Yeah. But yeah, it, it makes sense. But there's definitely some small snippets in there that were like, well, how could how you know would that? How could you know that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a phenomenon that supports. Reincarnation, yeah, and it supports that you can have a past life and remember it. It's weird that it goes away though. Memories fade as they do anyway. Yeah, true. So, you never really remember everything like properly, do you anyway? But if you listen to Jim Tucker, the memories don't go anywhere. We may forget them, but they are particles, and yeah. the particles exist. I think that's nice though that you live on. Yeah, that is quite a nice thing. To do, yeah. Though. It's a nice note to end on, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, kids do have past lives. Sometimes you remember them, sometimes you don't. Um, sometimes the Babe Ruth. Your memories oh, are no. particles. <laughs> so, yes, sometimes they're all baseball players. <laughs> your memories are particles, and so... Your mum can be your mum in your past life as well. Yeah, so you might know already. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. So, you can find us on TikTok at the Cemetery, and Instagram at Across the Cemetery. Twitter at AX the Cemetery, and we don't have Facebook. Probably won't either. You could also email us at acrossthecemetery at gmail.com, and it'd be much appreciated if you enjoyed today's episode if you could leave us a review. Yeah, or like a little, um, give us a little comment on Instagram even, and then I can share that on the story. Yeah, I mean, if it's going to be negative, fuck off. Yeah, I'll just delete it. <laughs> But if it's actual positive criticism... I welcome it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Thank you. Thank Thanks you very for much listening. for listening. Bye. Bye.